Welcome to the Worship Leader Probs Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy and Mr. Probs. Look, worship leading can be one of the most rewarding areas of church ministry. But it can also feel like... I'm a worship leader. And I'm a production guy. And these are our problems. Welcome to episode 55 of the Worship Leader Probs Podcast, where we aim to encourage, entertain, and equip worship and tech guys all over the world. Sponsored by Planning Center Online. What's up, Big Tasty? Did you just say episode 55? Shh, 55. Holy moly. Double nickels, my man. Yeah. I made it to 55. There's a, there's like this cartoon music video where it's 55. Like, and it's, (laughs) I I, I gotta find that and send it to you. You do. It's so funny. It's so funny. Well, welcome to episode 55 of the podcast. Would you like to tell the great listeners of the Worship Leader Probs Nation a little bit about our sponsor? I would. I would. First of all, Planning Center is the greatest software package in the history of software. Okay. It's better than Microsoft Windows. It is totally. Okay. So, we most of us know about the services app now correct if you don't know about the services app check it out man go to their website and uh planning.center and uh and check that out but here's the other apps that they will allow they will give you help with checking people into events and classes receive process and track donations Organize small groups and take attendance. Centralize everything you need to gain insight into your church members. You can take online event signups and payments. You can track and approve how and when facilities and resources are used. And of course, with the services app, you can schedule volunteers. Uh, you can plan services if you're in worship. You can uh, equip your worship team with resources. Man, just go do do me a favor. Go to planning.center. Yeah, don't be a doink and just explore. do it. And here's the deal. Like they have this people app. Jeremy's talked a lot about the people app in the past. The people app is free whether you use Planning Center or not. That is true. Helps you track. Gratis. We're in the people Gratis. business. We're in the people business, fam. We are. And we Planning are. Center is. Debased. Yes, they are. People are now DMing that to us. I love it. I love it. I've said it a million times. My church, we use every single app that they, they make. I use the groups app because I do production and small group ministry. I use the, the people app every day. I use the groups app every day. It is life changing. Did you know, fun fact about Planning Center Online, they are in the list of the top 10,000 most used websites in the world. Holy moly. Think about that. Like, oh, you're like, oh, top 10,000. Think about how many websites are on the interwebs. On the line. <laughs> You mean online? On the line. There's a lot of websites on the line. <laughs> Can we go back to talking about it? It's online. Like I said, on the line. <laughs> one of one of my favorite movies. The it's internship. Good. It's good. It's so good. It's when he's not what is it? Exchange gram. Yeah, it's already at that. It's called Instagram. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not getting you're not getting the the, the essence of Exchange Gram. You're out at a party, you go. <laughs> he's like makes the noises when he's taking like fake pictures. <laughs> it's called Instagram. No, no, no. So you take your picture of your event, say here's a social event with your friends, and you put it on the line. Online. <laughs> I might have to watch that tonight now. Yeah, that's a good idea. I may have to too. Yeah, dude. All right. So this is Thanksgiving week. It is. Right? It is indeed. it's a week that, that we like to give thanks. I give thanks because one of my small group leaders had a um uh, a Thanksgiving meal at their house last night and they invited Lori and I to come down mm. and to spend some time with their small group. Wow. <laughs> they could nice. cook. Nice. So dude, I'm just curious, like going into this week, like what are you thankful for this year? Um, I am thankful for, uh, for family, you know, um, man, I, my wife is just unbelievable. My wife is <laughs> unbelievable. You married She's, up. Bro. I did, man. She, and she is, so gracious and patient with me and I love her and I, I love my, the rest of my family as well. My, I don't really, I don't relate to those people who have like nightmarish in-law stories because her parents are even amazing. And I'm not just saying that they don't listen to this because her, remember her dad doesn't know what a prob is. Um, but they're amazing people. And you know, my mom is uh, 89, uh, still with us and, 
I'll get to be with her for Thanksgiving. We lost my dad um, a couple of years ago. And um, so thanks, man, Thanksgiving was always, it was my dad's favorite. Wow. And so he kind of passed that on to me. And so I love Thanksgiving. And so looking forward to to a good week and a good, good day on Thursday. That's awesome, bro. I love it. What about it. you? Mine's a little more shallow <laughs> than just family. <laughs> I'm just, uh, man, I, I'm really thankful for getting to come to this church that I'm at now. Um, and like specifically like right now, cause it's just very fresh. I'm really thankful for, there's a guy by the name of Dylan Seals and, uh, Dylan is going to come. Uh, we're going to have him as a guest on the podcast. He is just like, he's an audio wizard. Uh, he's been done a lot of road stuff. He's done a lot of big stuff. He's, uh, Grammy nominated audio engineer, like for studio work and stuff like that. And so, uh, we got him to come down and spend a week with me, uh, just kind of, he's a Midas expert. And so like learning these new consoles, but like in the last four days of my life, I think my knowledge of audio and my talent level jumped 50%. Wow. Like I, I like to think I'm a decent audio engineer. Like I do. Okay. I learned things over the last three or four days that like changes the game for me. And so like, I think what I'm always thankful for is like in my life, God has really put a lot of people around me who are like significantly better at what they do than I am. And all those people have been very open handed with their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't go to school for this. Like I have a degree in transformational Christian ministry. Like (laughs) I didn't go to full sale. I didn't go, you know, like I got a Bible degree. And so like, there's just been, God has just put so many good people in my life. Like I said, who, who have just been open-handed, like in, I ask a lot of questions. I think that, like, I think I was born to be a podcaster because like, I love interviewing people and getting to know them. And, you know, and so like specifically these last couple of days, like, okay, so Dylan, why did you, instead of grabbing the trim, why did you go for the compressor? And wait, how are you keeping this fader resolution and everything at zero? And it was just like, stop and let's talk, stop and let's talk, stop and let's talk. So I don't know. I'm just, I sat back and just, you know, after we spent three or four days here, just really diving into our broadcast audio, I, I'm like, I'm at the point, like we're a church of 1500 people. I dare you to go find a better audio. Well, what we have right now. Now, could could one hear this audio on the line? <laughs> no, but they could hear it online. <laughs> Join us today for NPC's on the line services. <laughs> oh man, man, we introduced uh, Phil Wickham's great things this morning. How did that go? It went really well. Um, I just, it's a good, it's a good song. It's a, it's a, it's almost a banger. Um, I think it's probably more of a bop, but man, it's good. And here's the deal. Like fast, faster songs are really hard to find. Yeah. And everything right now is kind of falling into this middle space of temp- yeah. tempo, you know, and it's a faster song, you know? It, yeah. I, I, I had a good time. That's awesome, dude. We introduced, um, what a friend by Chris McClarney this weekend. Oh, hello. Yeah, it was cool. We did like a sit and soak kind of a thing. Mm. Like kind of, we came out of, uh, Defender. Mm. No, I'm sorry. We came out of one of our, our church's original songs and our worship pastors kind of up was like, he just did a really great transition. It's like, Hey, we just want you to sit down and we just want you to receive this song mm. and like the lyrics. And he set it up really well. We got into it and he said, there were like seven people in the front row sobbing wow. once he started singing it. Wow. And he was like, don't look at the front row. Don't look at the front <laughs> row. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, man. So, that's awesome. Well, hey, let's jump into the first segment of our podcast that we like to call Pro Concerns. Each week on the Worship Leader Problems Podcast, we like to take just a few moments and we like to read the prayer concerns that you guys are receiving at your churches. And so here's what a prayer concern is for here live on the podcast. Um, each one of us have a connection card, a welcome card, and uh, we put those out every weekend because we want to get to know the people that are sitting in the chairs and get to know everybody better. And so as good leaders, you know, we always put on the back, how can we pray for you? But unfortunately, everybody puts in their complaints and everything you're doing wrong in that section. And so we like to read those here on the podcast because what it does is it helps the world feel a little bit smaller because we all, yeah, you, I know for many of you who've been listening for a while, you just kind of start laughing and you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. And so that's why we do that here. <laughs> live on the podcast. And so Brian, what do you got this week? Okay, let's jump in. Number one, (laughs) I had a crazy thing said to me at church, which is what a prayer concern is. 
Um, I was down at the altar for prayer because I struggle with anxiety. After the altar call was over, the woman next to me, who was new that Sunday, comes over and starts talking about how God delivered her from anxiety, and she shared a little bit with me. Feeling inspired, I followed up with her. It turns out she doesn't believe that God healed her. She believes doTERRA did. <laughs> and for the next three weeks, she called me every day to try to sell me essential oils. Oh, no. That's a party foul. After nobody bought her oils, she moved oh, to another church. That's fantastic. You know what they say? Don't hate the player. Hate the game. That's right. That's right. Wow. Ooh, come on, fam. Okay. Number two, I was helping pastor with connections class, and he asked them what they are looking for in a church community. Several generic answers go up until this sweet lady in the back speaks up. At this point, she has been attending for about four to six weeks, so she knows who is on the staff at this point. She says, well, one thing that is really important to me, and this is really deep, she paused here for dramatic effect and made eye contact with me, but I hate it when the music is too loud. Oh. Too loud. Too loud, right? That's four weeks in. Four weeks in, she's already, she's already chewing him up. Oh, man. Okay, number three. During an icebreaker game at a new small group, people were asked to write a little-known fact about yourself on a sheet of paper. After mixing them up and passing them out at random, we were supposed to go around the room and read a fact out loud and try to guess who, whose it was. One of these facts said, quote, I have 40% hearing loss in my left ear. Someone had guessed that this fact was about me. I'm the worship leader. To which an older lady blurts out, Oh, so that's why worship is so loud. <laughs> my lead sound tech and I exchanged Jim Halpert glances at each other. After a few more guesses, we learned that the, the little known fact about hearing loss was actually about her. <gasps> <laughs> that's fantastic oh my lord come on now okay number four last one bottom of the pudding cup i had a man come up to myself and the lead pastor and say you're praying for revival but it'll be awful hard to have revival when you're using the wrong bible i guess if the kjv was good enough for the disciples it's good enough for us <laughs> Disciples were using the KJV. There. The KJV. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a oh my gosh. Interesting take. It, it is. That's now one of my new favorites. Or one of my favorites is when somebody comes up and they're like trying to use scripture to prove that we should be singing hymns oh because it because sing hymns and spiritual songs. Oh, oh come on! Now. But you know that hymn was written in 1963, though, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bill, Bill Gaither was not alive at the time of Jesus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and some would say Bill Gaither didn't write hymns. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. Come on now, fam. How old would a song need to be to be considered a hymn? You know, that's a that's a great question. I I I I'll be straight up. I think it's a moving target. I think okay. you I think you have you have hymns like you know, blessed assurance, holy, holy, holy. You've got, okay. It is well with my soul. And then I think you have gospel songs like okay. old, um, oh man, I'm trying to think of a gospel song, like, you know, uh, uh, my tribute These bones or <laughs> by the Fairfield Flower. <laughs> oh, brother, can't you see? <laughs> The only reason I know that song is because I use it for tuning my PA. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Because if you hear, like, muddiness in the low vocal, you're like, oh, I need to get in there and tweak some more. <laughs> well, I, I think it all gets moshed together. It's just, it's nostalgic, I think. Yeah. In, in some, now, I, I will say, there are, there are moments. Uh, last week, we did uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Mm. 
man, that that's a rich, that brings up memories for me. And that was a really uh, meaningful uh, worship moment for me too. So yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think it all, I think it all kind of falls into a big pot yeah. of just old stuff. It is interesting though, that like, you know, we, we feel like we gotta be hip. We gotta be cool. So let's throw our own versions of some of the stuff. And so we forever at my last church, we did uh Paul Blosh's version of how great thou art. Mm. Like that real, like, beat to it. R- yeah, a little beat, like rock and acoustic dancing. And then like, I don't know, after doing it for a couple of years that way, we just came in one weekend. It was like just the piano and we slowed it down and it was like, yeah, that's the way it was meant to be. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I get what the old people have been saying. <laughs> so, well, hey guys, thank you so much for turning in your prayer concerns to the Worship Leader Proud's podcast. All you have to do is go to www.worshipleaderprobs.com and click on the prayer concerns tab there. We got a quick little form that you can fill out and uh, all you got to do is copy and paste the email and just put it in there. We don't ask for your name. We don't ask for your church's name. It will be completely anonymous. So BT, before we jump into our interview with Rita Springer, you want to tell them a little bit about what's happening on the Worship Leader Probs website this Tuesday. Black Friday sale. And you might Let's say, go. you might say, Tasty, it's not Friday. Here's the deal. We, we care for the nation. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is a, we're doing a Black Friday sale that's not, it cannot be limited to just one day. No. So it's going to start on Tuesday, the 26th, and it's going to go through December 3rd. And nice. everything, everything is 25% off. That's awesome. Yeah, you hear the I mean, worship I can leader hear, props. I can hear, going yeah, the worship leader pooch is very excited about our 25% off sale. Right. Now, is it just 25? Do they have to use a code or anything? They do. WLP25. Oh. oh, come on. It doesn't get any easier than that, folks. That's right. 25 WLP 25 starting on the 26th and we'll, uh, you know, 25 on the 26th, 20, right. 25. on the 26th. Let's go. Easy peasy. All right. Well, Hey, let's jump into our interview with our next guest. She is a legend. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's been a couple times that we've like gave a little preamble to an interview. Uh, pause right now. <laughs> we'll wait, go get you a little journal, get you a pen. Because you're about to write down some nuggets of knowledge that are going to make you think about much of your ministry, about how you've done things for years. Uh, but we we loved our time with Rita Springer. So we hope you enjoy part one with Miss Rita Springer. Well, I'm glad you guys are actually doing it. When Candace Payne was telling me you guys what you guys were doing, because I, of course, I haven't heard about what you were doing. But I was just like, oh, it's so needed. I mean... I've been trying to resurrect worship leaders for years. And, you know, we, t- we joke around about it being self-inflicted, and a lot of it is. But a lot of it is poor, poor, um, poor adult leadership ahead of them that just has not done a really great job at parenting, fathering, mothering, and really just mentoring and raising up a generation that wants to worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And, and I, so it's really, it's so... It's such an asset that you guys are doing what you're doing because nobody's talking about this stuff. And I'm in shock when I get all these students coming out to the school that I've been running for almost 12 years now. And I'm just like, how come nobody talks about this stuff? Like nobody's talking about terrible communication in the church. (laughs) So. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm, I'm so, I'm blessed that, that you guys are at least willing to have the conversation mm-hmm. and give worship leaders that are younger, that are coming into kind of no manual. There's no yeah. manual anymore. They're, they're, you're right. You're exactly right. You know, um, yeah. Wow. This is going to be good. This is already rich and we haven't even started. Dude, awesome. I'm, so, I'm so hyped. I'm I just so got a hyped. text from Jeremy that goes, hit record, hit record. Oh God. <laughs> well, the, the thing with me is that I, I'm too old to, to lie. <laughs> I, dude, I'm, I can't. I'm thankful I, for that. You know, I just, and because there's been so many kids that have been lied to and mm. never told the truth. I mean, almost to the point where we're like, we can't tell them that they, their, their pitch is bad for yes. fear that we'll hurt their feelings. Right. right. Exactly. And, and it's the, it's, it's extreme opposite. It's, 
doing that, yeah, the right way, but doing it so that we're not giving, we're not setting an example for hopes and dreams that aren't ever going to happen. And, and then really sitting down and saying, you know, dude, you can't sleep with your girlfriend and leave worship on exactly. Sunday morning. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You know, so yes. It, it's, it is, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a trash bag full of things that we haven't ever discussed. Mm. It's just gathering stench in the backyard and yes. we have to start having those conversations. So it's just so you know, you guys start asking me questions. I'm going to be blunt, but let's, <laughs> let's go. And go let's go. We're ready. Like, I, but, like what you just said, like we don't share this stuff enough. Like I know, I know some people right now in college that are going away and like, I know they're not living right and they're living they're they're they're, they're uh, yeah. you know they're leading every weekend yeah. and thinking they're doing everything right. My wife and I just had a conversation about like back when we were in college, you know, of all the ministry majors at the time, like there's like two of us left actually still doing ministry. You know, and so I graduated in college uh while I was there 98 to 2000 and like of all those guys, there's like two or three of us left who are still yeah. doing ministry full time. You know, and it's like people don't hear truth about how hard it is, how how you're living your life matters to what's happening on the weekends. Like, yeah, yeah, we compartmentalize. Well, I can do this during the week, but that's not going to affect how I lead people on the weekends. You know, and it's just like, so yeah. I heard a stat about two weeks ago from a counselor who said one out of ten, one person out of every ten that starts in ministry will finish their career in ministry. One out of ten. We got to do better. That's crazy. You know, I, I, when I, I lived in Dallas for quite a while, and there's this brilliant doctor out there who does what's called right brain therapy. Mm. And one of the pastors at the church I was on staff with said, "You're going to love this guy because he's so creative." She knew I was just, uh, I'm a real big believer in the creative arts and and a move of God in the creative arts. And so I just went to this guy, and it it was interesting because he. You know, you go to his office and you get an eight and a half by 11 sheet of, of paper, like a piece of paper with a cartoon drawing of the profile of a kid's head with all the compartments in the brain. And then he hands you like 24 crayons and he just says, color that. I'll be back in 15. Yeah. And so you're wondering how you color it. And he's just like, just color it the way you want to color it. And, and then you color this thing. And you go back. And the first thing he tells you is that he's colorblind. And he wants to know what colors you colored those compartments of the brain. You know, he's this, he's this beautiful Christian guy from Zimbabwe that has got all these letters after his name. He's highly (laughs) gifted and, um, and, you know, as a doctor in, in, uh, neurology and all this kind of stuff. And, and I go back there and he looks at this colored map. Basically it's called, it's a brain map. Mm -hmm. And he looks at this colored map and he, he turns around, he tells me where my trauma was, what my trauma was, when my father died, the whole nine yards. And it was better than any prophetic person had ever read my mail. And I just looked at him and I was like, how do you do that? And he began to just talk to me about how um, color, you know, color is this identification of our emotions and that the way we color that based on our trauma or things we haven't yet let go of, we're going to color are those compartments of the brain. And one of the most crazy things he said is he's like, now, are you a pastor? And I said, yeah, um, I, I'm a pastor of worship. He says, well, looking at your brain map, this is just really, this is fascinating to me because I have a lot of pastors in here and nobody's brain looks like this. Mm. And I was like, oh God, is that a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He said, no, you, you've colored the, the front lobal part of your brain, which is the 10% of the, of the brain that you function in, and the back part of your brain that's your identity, the same color. And I never see that. I rarely, he said, ever see that in pastors. Wow. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he says, well, for you, it means the color that you, you colored it, it means that you will not speak what you do not believe. Wow. And I looked at him and I said, that's a good thing. And he said, that's an incredible thing. Oh yeah. He said, but it's never seen in pastors. Wow. And I was just like, what? Oh, come on. He said, 99.9% of pastors I have in my office, um, don't say what they believe. 
Interesting. They say something completely different than what they, their identity actually is. And I, and I was fascinated by that. But, you know, when you, if you've been in the church long enough and you've been around people that are, are trying to move in relationship with God and minister relationship with God to other human beings, and they haven't yet really fully wanted or desired or known how to get free, you minister to people based on the evidence of your own freedom. And if you're in bondage, you're going to minister only to the place that you've allowed yourself to get free. And I think that that's a telltale sign for a lot of us in ministry that when when the Bible says, you know, that it's for freedom's sake that he set us free, he's he really means it. Like, the freer that you become, the freer that you can actually release people into freedom. But the more that we say we want it, but then don't walk it out, we can only lead up to that position that we've allowed ourselves to be free. So it, I think that's where a lot of our issues in the church uh, resonate and reside is because we we don't have true personal encounter with, with, with Jesus. Mm. And we're not asking Jesus to free us of our bondages because we don't see that self-centeredness or comparison is bonded. So we don't mm, see that, mm. you know, um, wanting to climb the political church ladder is bondage. All that stuff yeah. is bondage. Oof. Yeah. So, and I think because we, we don't, we spend years not dealing with those things because we think, Oh, th- those are father issues or those are mother wounds or those are, you know, this wound or that wound, the reality of it is some of, some of our greatest wounding is these little things that we've never, ever dealt with that just start compiling on each other that end up really taking away from our leadership skills because we can't be free. So I'm trying to keep those colors correct all the yeah, time. A, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'm also, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Like I'm like, when we fly out to Dallas for the experience conference stuff, like, Hey, yep. can I find this guy and go get mine now? <laughs> oh, yeah. because- He's brilliant. His doctor, his name is Dr. Jerry Mungazi. He's just mm. absolutely brilliant. You can even message me and I'll send you his number. Okay. He's just a beautiful man of God. And, and the way that he, I was so interested in the creative way that he does it, but he, he uses the biblical map of even the DNA of God. And one of the most brilliant things he said to me, because I said, how do you do this with color? And he said, you have to understand the DNA of God. And I said, well, well, how do you do that? And he said, what's the first promise that God makes man? What does he do? And I'm like, he throws a rainbow in the sky. He says, yeah, primary colors. He said, and he, 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 out of his, out of his inward compassion and mercy toward his people, he throws his DNA in the sky and says, I promise that this will never happen again. And when you follow those patterns, even John in Revelation trying to explain what he's seeing, he can, he can sputter out colors, you know, and, and glassy seas and the imagery of what he can somehow articulate. And he's like, you have to follow all of those beautiful areas in scripture where color becomes almost like this DNA of God. It's the first thing he does in the first five days is he, he uses a palette of color, mm. and that actually is the emotions of God being displayed in creation. So it's pretty brilliant. You think wow. about it. Absolutely. So, wow. Anyway, wow, 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 that's a heavy wow. note to start on. That's right? dude. <laughs> let's bring the hammer. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so anyway. we're here with Rita Springer, and by the way, I just before you jumped on, I said to Jeremy, "Why did I not get a name?" Rita Springer, like that is a, the coolest. Oh gosh! Like here I am, kind of a doinkish Brian Tabor, like you know whatever. <laughs> so, will you tell us and and the listeners t- uh, just a little bit about your journey? You know, yeah. What what led you to do? I mean, you've got burning passions about this, which I love. Mm-hmm. So, can you t- tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I was a songwriter, worship leader that ever woke up as a teen or an early teen and knew what I was going to do with my life. I had no inclination that God would ever put me on a stage to sing. I was going to go on the stage and act. And the reason that I chose act, oh, I was like, won every award I could get my hands on with acting. I had this whole 
gauged plan that when I got out of high school, I was going to go to Cal State Northridge, get an arts degree, end up in New York, winning a Tony Award or an Oscar. I was going to be an actress. And it took a while to identify why that passion was so deep in me. I was very gifted for it. But um, I knew that it was different than than being born to, to born knowing I was going to do something great on a stage. It, I don't really think I ever had that. I chose acting. Eventually, I realized that I chose acting because I really had a uh, uh, self hatred issue growing up. Mm. And when I acted, wow. I got to escape my trauma filled life. And it didn't matter if I was playing somebody who was more trauma filled than I was. It was an escape from my reality. And so I put 100% of all of my eggs in that basket of escape. And um, I was the best actress I, I knew, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. And so the, the singing and the writing music came as a result of my father died in the house when I was about nine years old. He was a Pentecostal charismaniac with a rage issue. And um, there were six of us kids and, you know, every child in a stage of being birthed has a different, um, uh, different opinion of what that translated in their lives. And I was fifth out of six kids. So I got the mostly saved dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Dad, oh, yeah. You, you know, Jesus had gotten enough of him that he was kind of radicalized, but still had deep, deep rage wounds. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's that, it's those, those kind of sharp memories where he was this great, beautiful man of God who spent hours out in a, in a, in a desert ditch, naked, quoting chapters of Isaiah when he would go off on fasts and he was act like Moses most of the time in our household. But then he'd get, full of rage because we left the dogs out and the dog got pregnant again. And we'd have to, you know, sit in front of Kmart giving puppies away and we didn't have enough money to spay or neuter our pets. And mm. so he would just make us watch him drown puppies in buckets mm. of water outside just so that we, you know, that that's the mentality. It was like this beautiful man of God, but then this, this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of personality oh, because it then oh. dealt with things that he wouldn't, give the Lord. And so I didn't grow up with a prophet dangling over my crib saying, you're going to write songs that the world's going to sing and the church is going to sing and people are going to get healed by them. I started musically singing because I was going to do Broadway. Yeah. And I, my sister, I have an older sister, two older sisters, but one's only 14 months older than I am. And so we shared a room my whole life and she was tall, thin, and looked a lot like Marsha Brady from the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And I wasn't tall. I wasn't thin. And I couldn't be the beautiful Barbie doll that she was. And she took piano lessons. And I thought, there's no way that thin creature is going to bypass me in gift or talent. <laughs> so... <laughs> so out of competitive um, kind of vindiction, I announced to my grandmother who was paying for the lessons that I wanted lessons too. And I didn't want lessons. Like I didn't want piano lessons. I needed piano lessons like I wanted a hole in the head. But yeah. I ended up taking piano lessons and that's where the Lord met me. I was oh, 11 wow. years old and running hand and exercises up and down the piano in an empty house um, after school. And the Holy Spirit walked in and began to comfort me in the angst of losing my my father at nine and then my beloved grandfather four months later of a heart attack. Oh my goodness. And wow. and really preparing me for my mother's death a few years later. So I marinated in the presence of God and learned worship without ever understanding what it was. Um or I identifying that that's something that was a gift of mine at all. I remember the day when the Lord said, stop acting, because when you act, you act because you hate who you are. But when you sing, I get everything. Oh, Oh, wow. And I just started to sing. And it wasn't for people. I sang because I wrote letters to God. So to me, worship was 
sitting down at the piano and I would literally start with dear God, um, I need you today. And so there were just these, they were just these live letters I used to write to the Lord. My mother was a church secretary to the Baptist church we were at. The bus would drop me off at three forty-five, four o'clock in the afternoon. I would walk up the stairs to the church. She would be working till five thirty, and I would go into that dark sanctuary that only was lit by the stained glass windows on the side, and start to write letters to the Lord on the piano of that empty church. And I think that's probably where I had more encounter with God than I've ever had my entire life. But that's where I started. That's where everything began. And then, of course, when you get out of your teens and roll into your 20s, you're trying to find yourself. And back then, for me, it was CCM. That's what you did. You you were Amy Grant. You know, you... (laughs) sent me your Amy Grant tape singing something very close to El Shaddai. And, <laughs> and you tried to get into the industry that way. And I would get the letters back that would say, we already have an Amy Grant. Thank you very much. Mm, yeah. And, um, and it really wasn't until I started going to a church that my brother and his wife were going to in, in the town of, uh, uh, I was born and raised in Southern California. So there was this church called the Vineyard and, my brother and his wife started going to this crazy charismatic church called the vineyard. And I, I met them there when I was 17 one day and never heard anybody sing to the Lord. We were always singing about the Lord Mm. and um, scared the crap out of me. And the intimacy in that worship encounter really unnerved me. And I felt like I wanted to run screaming out of the building but I couldn't wait to get back. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. and so there, you know, was my beginning journey with the Vineyard Church. And, and years later, my first song being published with Vineyard Music Group. And that's kind of where all of my worship songwriting began was those early days of Vineyard where, you know, we were, I was in there with Andy, the likes of Andy Park and Brian Dirksen and, um, all these, you know, great Vineyard writers that were, really writing what became worship music, what we know as worship music today. Yeah. So it's really a beautiful legacy that I've had because I didn't come in on it with how cool it was or how rad we looked on stage (laughs) or, you know, whose in-ears are we using? You know, we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) We, we were, we were watching the presence of God come into a building and wreck us on stage. Wow. And and literally radically transform our lives. I mean, we would sing sing songs with holiness in it, and the holiness of God would just show up, and people would just get radically healed or saved. Those were my beginnings. Oh, and and I man, I look back on that, and I'm like, I would never trade the authenticity of those days for anything that's happening now. And there are great things that are happening in worship now. Mm. But the culture of worship today, there's not a true longing for the presence of God in a lot of, um, in a lot of our stage, in our stage presence. And I don't know that that's, uh, the fault of anybody except for maybe my generation not doing a good enough job at, at telling the story of what the presence of God was like Mm -hmm. to make another generation hungry enough to run after it. So I sure try wow. doing that with my kid, you know, yeah. Yeah. my 15 year old. So it's interesting. But those are my stages, my early stages anyway. The first time I ever got wrecked in worship was a vineyard event that Brian yeah. Dirksen was leading. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I grew up in like the church of God, Anderson, Indiana. Oh, so it's yeah. like, you, you don't raise God. your hands. You don't, you know, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, subtle. Uh, and so like we were at this, this, Paul Balash was leading and Catherine Scott and Brian Dirksen. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever went into like, I think they called it a soaking session. Yes. Where they were like, don't stand, don't sing. We're going to sing over you. And we're like, right. what is this nonsense that's about to happen? And, uh, I forget the name of the song that Catherine with Scott was singing, uh, some, something about the cross. I cannot remember it, but in the middle of it, Brian just kind of started riffing with it and was like, leave it at the cross. And all of a sudden he goes, and don't pick it up again. I snot yeah. cried yeah. for like an hour and a half yeah. through the rest of this thing. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever was almost like crushed by the weight of his glory mm. in a moment mm. yeah. just in worship. And it 
it radically changed how I viewed the worship experience after that moment. So, um, yeah. those, and that, that would probably been like, I don't know, like mid two thousands, probably yeah. like I yeah. had that experience, you know? Wow. wow. And, uh, it's, it's, we don't often, gosh, we don't, I, I'm a production guy. Like that's what I do. Yeah. I'm in a church with tons of moving lights and led walls and the whole yeah. thing. And, uh, it's not often that I have that feeling anymore. Yeah. And there's really like, there, there's beautiful things about everything that you do, like the LED. All, I mean, to yeah. me, there's, there's so much creative expression, more nowadays than there ever has been. But there ha- we're, we're ha- we have to marry that presence with that creative thing mm, absolutely. that really gives God, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm always telling my students, you know, that, you know, I, I was talking to the Lord one day and about the first five days. I'm really about, I'm, I'm really into the first five days because it doesn't take him anything to make a man on day six. But for five days, he does this thing that never deviates from the plan. Like mm-hmm. none of that first five days ever gets tired of God, decides to like, choose another religion or just not believe in God. Like the trees don't decide one day just not to be trees that they weren't made to be trees. They just want to be something else. Hello, and, come on. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's a really important like palette to, to, to look at and realize that the creator really loves expression. And when we express ourselves create creatively in color and idea and design and all those things, I think it lights heaven up. Mm-hmm. But I, but I feel like the Lord told me one day, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't on Prozac when I created the universe. Jeez. And I felt like what he was saying is I, I didn't create the universe as a, as a distraction for you to be creative. Yeah. I was creative as a God of creativity. And the mercy is that in your, in your depravity and in your darkness, I let you create to keep you alive. But I don't think that that's you, – do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh my I do. I just need to marinate for a minute. <laughs> Lord, I have cried like eight times. We're only seven minutes into this. I've, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. Oh, my gosh. But do, do you know what fantastic. I'm saying? It's like we've, we've yes. missed the mark. And, and, and I'm, I, I, I love the beautiful day that I was brought into this. But what I didn't – what I kept adding to my life was the presence of God, the presence of God. And with the presence of God and the freedom of God, all of a sudden God just starts talking to you about who he is and there's no limit or lack in who he is. So he's an all dreaming God. So I don't, at 52, I'm writing songs that I would have never written that are better songs and when I'm 62, I'll be writing better songs mm. because I'm merging with the God who says, oh, no, 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 the best is yet to come. If you just keep asking me for elements of who I am, I'll keep revealing elements of who I am so that your perspective gets broader and more beautiful. And that you, if, if you want to be a photographer, reader, just ask me, I'll, I'll give you all you need to know. If you want to be an artist, just ask me, I'll give you all you need to know. That's the God we serve. Yeah. So... The, the boundary lines of <clears throat> my past, it's like, you know, I've heard my generation say, it's just not like it used to be. It's just not like it used to be. And I'm like this kind of person that's like, no, I, I'm glad it's not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Because there's a generation throbbing in creativity that we didn't, I didn't have growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to take what, I, what I've gleaned and empty baskets of what I've gleaned and learned from another generation, but also do what the Bible says and dream with them. Because mm. according to scripture, the young and the old are supposed to dream together. Absolutely. That is it's true. not a separate generation. It's not a separate entity. We're supposed to actually feed each other these beautiful things that make up the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And, yeah. and so I love that you, you know, you're in production and you do all these beautiful things. I look at that and I can feel the presence of God trembling at the creativity that he's, mm-hmm. you know, that he's, he's offering you. It's just marrying that with the presence of God and, and that, that search or that experience that you had to realize that wasn't just a one-time experience. Yeah. That was an invitation mm-hmm. to, 
to keep having that experience whenever the presence of God came mm. and whenever he comes. So I think that's where, you know, I always want to encourage people when they say, I remember when, I remember when. It's like, you remember when because God gave you an invitation to come into something that never has to end. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think, I think some of the biggest struggles with worship leaders is that they don't know how to find that, mm. keep that, regulate that, identify that, and marinate in it, soak mm. in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, well, and not I, often. it so. seems like in so many of our churches today, we have, we've programmed this out. Yeah. Of oh, the yeah. experience, you know, everything is so tightly scheduled. Correct. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know what to do right, if we had right. to scrap our plan. Yeah. And that's even, a, we, we even pray that almost every weekend at my church before we go out. God, we have a plan. We feel like you gave us this plan. If you want to tap us on the shoulder and change the plan, help us to have, you know, the sensitivity to know that and the courage to follow you. But if he did, what, how would we handle it? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so this, this last weekend, um, I preached, uh, in the main services at, at our church. Um, and so at the, at the end of the first service, um, like I'm, I'm try- getting ready to land the plane. And it was like, we had told my wife and a story about losing our sons and all that kind of stuff. And it was a real emotional moment and really starting to hammer this back into the gospel and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm not, I don't really know what's going on. All of a sudden the lights come on. The worship pastor's running off the stage and like somebody started having a seizure, uh, in, at the very end of, of the message, right? Yeah. And so like, you know, our senior pastor's gone, like, so like, I've got to, I got to lead, you know, the six, seven hundred people in the room. I need to lead them through this moment. So I just kind of went to the center stage. Everybody eyes coming. I was like, can we just start praying right now? Can we just lift out hands right now and just start praying for this man? Yeah. And so, um, today, you know, we're having that conversation. Someone's like, Oh, was that frustrating? And I go, you know, a little bit in the moment I was like, because I really felt like we've been praying that for salvations and stuff through this message. But one of the cool things that happened is, uh, somebody in my small group, their five-year-old son wanted to come to services because I was preaching. So they're in the car, they're driving home and he goes, it just real quiet. And he goes, Hey mom, guess what? And, and, uh, Maggie goes, what, what's up, Jace? And he goes, we got to see a miracle today. And she goes, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, Pastor Jeremy asked us to pray for that man. And he got up and he walked out on his own power. We saw a miracle today. Okay. That moment for Jace yeah. is more powerful than anything right. we could have orchestrated. Right. Like right. a five-year-old kid is going to remember he saw a miracle happen right yeah. before his eyes. Cause, mm-hmm. And I lost the perspective completely of like, oh, wait a second. The Lord had much greater plans than right. two weeks of prep. And we could have never actually asked for it to be better right. than what just happened. So we got, we got done and we're like, hey, can we just – God's doing something this moment. Can we just take like a couple of minutes and just pray? And everybody yeah. just kind of prayed on their own and it was – it ended up being this cool moment that we never orchestrated. We never planned and like – and it would even get to the, the, you know, the, the meeting this morning and they're like, oh, was that a little frustrating? I'm like, you know, honestly, no. Because Jason, Jason yeah. is going to remember that until the day he dies. That's right. That's right. Oh, That's God. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think okay. we just, we need to have more room for that kind of stuff. Yes. I mean, I, I was on staff for seven years at a beautifully gigantic megachurch in Dallas. And, you know, we had 18 minutes on a good Sunday of worship. Yeah. And the, the, the service, the, you know, the five services lasted, what, 65 minutes? Yeah. And there's part of that that, yeah, it would be great if there were more, more time in worship. Yeah. But the thing is that, for what they were building and what they were asking God for and how, how else are you actually going to clear the parking lot? If you have another service that you've planned, you know, right after that, there's no way to not do it like that. If that's what your vision is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand it. I, I don't even, I'm, I don't even poo-poo it because I, I've seen the Lord work. I used to have worship leaders all the time. You know, they would they would raise their hand in sometimes panels that I was on at worship conferences, and they would say, well, my pastor only gives me 10 minutes or 15 minutes to do worship on Sunday morning, and we can't even go anyplace in 15 minutes. And my response was always the same. 
I, I had to play advocate for the pastor and the leaders, but the reality of it was my response was always, wow, I can find God in two minutes. What's wrong with you that you can't find him in 15? <laughs> and, and that, I mean, it was pretty heavy, but the fact is I knew that predominantly most of them are, are complaining because they don't have long enough time to showcase what they want to showcase, groove the way they want to groove mm. and get to where they're wanting to go. Um, and because their pastors aren't seeing in them or whatever the, the, the need for, for 35, 45 minutes of, and it's usually a submission issue as opposed to a presence of God issue. So, wow, wow. and I've just learned that, man, the, the moment I open my mouth, he comes. So if I'm given, really, we got 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, 10 minutes. That's a couple songs. Let's just go after God. Yeah. You know, I can come home and do three hours in my music room if I want. That girl, <laughs> fireball. Dude, I was sobbing like four minutes into that. My favorite was part crazy. was like from the minute we she jumped in, she just started sharing stuff. And I just texted Brian, start recording. <laughs> hit record. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit record now. <laughs> Because there was so much, like, I was like, uh, the people can't miss any of that. Yeah, and I mean, it literally, like, she wasn't reading it. <laughs> like, it just comes <laughs> pouring out of her. Like, she's a mentor, and her her life's goal is to develop worship leaders. Correct. Right? So we have that yeah. in common. Well, that's right. Oh. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode 55 of the Worship Leader Problems podcast. Don't forget, as you're listening to this on Tuesday, go to the the Worship Leader Probs website, www.worshipleaderprobs.com. And you know what? All of you who are listening, you serve with a worship pastor. Maybe you're the worship pastor. Go get you a shirt. You can go gift a shirt. Everything in the store is 25% off. 25. I mean, we're, we've gone Never. crazy. <laughs> we've gone crazy. <laughs> we're giving it away. <laughs> no, we're not giving it away. But it, 25 on the 26th. Yeah, Let's right. go. Let's do it. All right. Again, thank you so much for listening. And we love you, the Worship Leader Probs Nation. And until next time, see ya. Deuces.